songs. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Mommy Drinks. This is Betsy Stover, and I am joined today by my my guest co-host and just like life co-host, Ari Vukitas. Ha, ha, ha. Good morning, drivers. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Ari's my husband, and he's insufferable. <laughs> uh, Confirmed. <laughs> today we are joined by someone we've known for a long time. He's a writer. He's a very funny person. It's Mike Leffingwell. Hello. <laughs> Great. Good. How's it going? <laughs> Good. Going well. I'm so glad you're finally on the show. Uh, I know we we tried having you on back when uh, Amanda was my co-host and we were taping in Burbank in at nighttime and we asked you and you were like, do you ever tape maybe during the day? Because that's crazy. Um yeah, it wasn't that late either, was it? Wasn't it like 7 p.m.? But I was like, I don't think I can. I don't think I can make it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I think we we would tape at like 8 p.m. and you were just like, no, thank you. I, yeah. I can't. I got very comfortable with that a few years ago, just being like, I don't ever want to go out at nighttime again. So I don't. Wow. Wait, wow. I'm impressed. I'm impressed that you ever did our show. Didn't we do our show super late? No, our show was not super late. Our show was at 7. It was it was at seven, but then it became super late. Then it became either ten thirty or eleven. Yeah, it was like ten thirty. So but it started. It's, but you're both right. It started off at seven, and it was that way for the the year or so that I did it, and then they changed oh, yeah, it and right. made it later. Yeah. Oh, and so listener, we're talking about the. So we know Mike uh, through Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, uh, the UCB, where we work and teach class, and you teach classes there, right? You do? I do. I do online yeah. now. Uh, so, so yeah, we all know each other from there, and we did a show there called uh, Teacher's Lounge for a long time. I don't know why I said it like that. Anyway, so Ari and I, we share children because we're married. The name's kind of naughty. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. I'm sorry, you were, saying, you were talking about your family. No, yeah, I, I was just taking a pause because our show, we used to do the same show in New York City and we called it Hot for Teacher and some people had some problems with that because it was a naughty title and because I guess it inferred an inappropriate relationship, which was maybe too real. I know, and it sucks because that would be a great pop culture reference that would be totally fine to do for a teacher show but because it happened a few times i think it made it less uh less quirky yeah so uh ari and i share three kids they are all boys we have a five-year-old almost six uh we have a a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old who i saw just texted me but i'm not going to see what it said oh god because i'll tell you what it said it probably says i'm not feeling well come pick me up yep yep I'm not feeling well. Come pick me up. What does it say? Oh, no. His phone charger's not working. Crying cat emoji. Oy, oy, oy. Oh, you know what? Hang on. I actually know what to do with this. Sorry. <laughs> Is this really? No, it's not important. We'll hey, all wait. Parent, parenting doesn't take a break. <laughs> Mike, tell everybody how many kids you have. I have two kids. I have a daughter who just turned 18, and then I have a son who is 12. You have a daughter who just turned 18? Yeah. Are you sure? Oh, wow. <laughs> I thought she was. Wait, what's are you holding a <laughs> DNA test? <laughs> wow, that's wild. Yeah, wow. it really snuck up on me, too, because of um, 
when, as for, as you guys know, as everyone knows, the pandemic kind of shut everything down. And so everybody was doing school at home. And so she had just gotten her driver's license when she was 17 because she was she wasn't super didn't have a super sense of urgency about getting it. And then she finally got it when she was 17. But then like all within a matter of weeks, I was like, oh, my God, she's got her driver's license. She's starting her senior year of high school and she's going to be 18 in like a month. And I just somehow like that year that we lost just made it um, just put it at the back of my mind where it felt like, oh, well, it'll be like this forever. Right. And, uh, And it won't. Oh, wow. Wow. So all these big life changes all of a sudden happened and your brain like had to scramble to keep up. Yeah, it's funny because the pandemic does make everyone feel like, oh, everything will be like everything forever. But like, <laughs> yeah. no, linear time does slog along. I know, I know. But it's so, it's very, I mean, this is a, this is such a very talked about phenomena, but it's like, we're kind of half in, half out right now. And so everything just kind of still feels very surreal and you're not really sure what the beginning or the ending is of, of uh, just regular life. Yeah. Yeah. People keep saying like, well, we don't know. Um, I guess we'll just, we'll, we'll be able to tell a month from now or whatever. And I'm like, will we? Like, what will we? I mean, maybe everything's just weird all the time forever. This is what it is forever. Forever. Forever and ever. Forever. But weren't there people, weren't there experts that were saying when it started and everyone was like, oh, maybe this will be over in a month. I feel like I heard from a few different sources of like, this might last for two years. So theoretically, we'd be coming up on that next March or April. But- that two years thing was probably assuming that people would maybe behave better culturally than, yeah. than we have as a country. So. <laughs> and so that two years was like the wild pessimist streak at the time. Yeah. Right? Those are also the people that were like, nuclear war is inevitable, like everything bad. And even they failed to anticipate that here yeah, we are, yeah, yeah. still stuck in our houses, daughters aging, everything happening. <laughs> so, so you guys have, would you say an 11 year old, a six year old and a, and a, how old's how old the youngest? We have an eleven-year-old, a nine-year-old, and a and essentially a six-year-old. Eleven-year-old uh, currently FaceTiming me. I'm not gonna pick oh. it up. Oh my god! He's just god. wasting his wasting his battery by trying to FaceTime wasting you. Wasting his battery. I don't know what he thinks is gonna happen. I think he thinks I'm gonna drive a portable charger to him. He does think that probably. My daughter will still do that, and uh, and I'm always able to flash forward to the future when she doesn't live at home anymore. And just being in a mental state of like, oh, I'd love to be able to do her laundry or take her wallet and she forgets it or whatever. So so when those things come up, I have this initial thing of like, motherfucker, I'm right in the middle of whatever. And then I'm like, no, I'm going to do it. Gonna do it. Yeah, I'll be right there. Really? That's interesting. It's, it's not impossible that she will call you from college or wherever she is to still be like, hey, uh, I forgot my lunch. Come bring it to me. I hope so. Wow, so you are at a really interesting sort of, uh, I don't even know what, precipice, like in in parenthood. Um, Oh, wow. So she must be applying to colleges now? Yes. Like Uh, right there. Yeah, which also caught me off guard. And um, (laughs) she doesn't have any place that she's super stoked about. She's applied to a few different places and is kind of, she she also I think is just I think it's I think I think it's harder to be young now than it was when we were young when we were teenagers. Really? And, what do you um, mean? In what way? Well, I think every generation when they gets older is like kids today have it easier, and I think 
kids today have it harder just because they're inundated with information. They are set up, at least in American culture, to like record everything and broadcast everything about themselves, which, and I know you guys have probably experienced this as adults, but like, if you look at uh, Instagram or something and you're like, oh, people got together and they didn't invite me. Like, uh, I think that's magnified even more if you're you know, 16 or something. And it's, Oh my God. That's that's true. Socially when, or... when we were younger, we could pretend there just weren't a lot of parties going on. That's right. Yeah. Or just, yeah. Or like not a lot of people were invited or I don't even know. Yeah. And you're, Oh wow. That's I never thought point. about it like that. Cause even as an adult, in spite of myself, I see things like baby showers or whatever. And I'm like, well, I wasn't invited to that. And I get like sure. miffed. But I can't imagine because when you're a kid, you're like butt hurt about everything. <gasps> My version of that is like every comedy show lineup where I was like, I wasn't asked to be in that show. It's like, you're right. you don't know these people. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, Why am I not getting asked to headline at Caroline's? <laughs> right? <laughs> you're not a professional stand-up. Why would you? <laughs> well, oh, but and I think prospects for, I don't think there's any adults that are being like, oh man, it's going to be so great when you're out there in the real world. I think everyone is like, kids can now see adults being like, my job is exploiting me and I'm a hundred thousand dollars in debt from college and my degree is worthless. Yeah. And I think that kind of makes it where it's like, unless you're super specific about what you want to do, like if, and you, and it's one of those careers that actually is going to make you money. I think for a lot of people, it's like, do I even want to go to like, to that's kind of yeah. where she's at. She's like, I'm not even sure if I want to go. And um, yeah, the the yeah. generation like in between us and where your daughter is, at least I think when they were in school, they they didn't know that the economy was a fucking skeleton strewed desert wasteland. They just thought <laughs> we could go to college and come out and have jobs. And you waited till you got to the market, right? In like 2010, until people were like, surprise, motherfucker. Uh, there's nothing. Uh, but now I think everyone knows. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Were that now, are those, are the people that you're describing that in-between thing, are those millennials? Yeah. I mean, you know, that whole generational <sighs> thing is bullshit. Uh, right? Well, because technically, oh, I don't even know. Some people call me a, a millennial. That's fucking... Very silly. Well, yeah, you're you're but I'm too also... old for money, but you're too young for Gen X. Yeah, we call I'm it not right Gen- on the well, cut. I mean, I don't know how old you guys are, but I'm I'm I thought I was Gen X, but just at the kind of tail end of it. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It, I don't. I, I'm like an old millennial. And I'm sure you feel this way, or like a very young Gen Xer. But I feel like I didn't get to do any of the fun parts of being Gen X. Like, yeah, Gen X culture. We get lumped in with that because we're not millennials. But Gen X culture was not for us. It was all for like our much older siblings and yeah. I mean, I but like I was a latchkey kid and like we didn't have cable, but I was very into MTV. If I went over to like my friends' houses or my cousins' house or something, and like so all that. I mean, I, I don't know. If there's probably more than just those two things, but, but like I feel like I never heard the term millennial until I was already like maybe in my early twenties, and I yeah. was like, oh, well, that that can't be me because I already was a teenager. Right. I was a teenager when all those Time Magazine things of being like, the slacker generation. I was like, well, I guess this is... Right. I was old enough for me to feel like I was at least part of that because I was beginning to identify myself in the world. So have you guys never thought of yourself as as belonging to kind of any generation? 
I always thought I was Generation Y, but for whatever reason, Generation Y like never took off. And so recently it's been called the Oregon Trail Generation. Yeah. And that to me makes sense. G- Generation Oregon Trail is how I've heard it described. And uh, I, I like that. But it might really, it's a real like thin slice of. Yeah. But the whole generation thing is, it's it's nonsense. Because you can have, because they define, I think of millennial as, did you have the internet in high school? Uh, like that's uh, the first generation to like grow up with the internet. So like, um, yeah, kind of. Right, but, the, no, but it was like it was like the lamest internet. The the or the best internet. Like like I was in high school waiting like twenty minutes for a browser page to load. Oh, that was like when I was maybe a senior in college that I started. Like I, I remember having email in college that I would like send an email to my parents maybe once a week. If even that, it was, it wasn't something. And then it wasn't until I was, it was my, I had moved to New York. It was my second semester of my senior year. And there was like a communal computer in the downstairs basement area or whatever. Yeah. And that was the first time I remember being like, this is taking forever to do anything. (laughs) My, my dad used to leave voicemails uh, as if they were letters. And so he would leave a voicemail that was started with dear Arg and would end with love dad. (laughs) But he writes letters like they're voicemails. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What's yeah. <laughs> <Sup>. up? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> LOL, call me. I'm just waiting for your mom to get done shopping or whatever. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, Ari, um, do you want to tell a story? Should I tell a story? Uh, you want to go first? Uh, sure, I'll go first. Great. Um, so th- it, this is not a one event that has broken me, but it's a sort of consistent thing that happens, right? So what I've found is on m- most days, either Betsy or I works in the evening. And so then either Betsy or I will sort of have dinner. Ready. We rarely get to co-parent during the day. We sort of like, you know, tag out, It's essentially. So yeah. I'm usually fine right until about bedtime, like right until when 8, 8.30 rolls around. That is when I am just gassed, no more sense of humor for stuff, just <laughs> bullshit. Most of the day, I can like make a joke about it. I'll be fine. Like, yeah, if someone's a real, real trouble, like I'll get mad or whatever. But normally it, I've... I'm okay. And 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 up until like about a year ago, usually you could just uh, smoke some weed and then it would be fine. Yeah, that's true. But we're all aboard the sober train lately, so that uh, that avenue of like quality quality parenting is not because weed oh, really? makes parenting much more palatable. Oh, 100 percent. What uh, and when you guys say sober, was it weed specifically, or was it uh, booze as well, or everything? Booze for me, weed for you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask what the what, did you guys stop at the same time and was there a a triggering event that that precipitated the stopping? Uh the the last four, without getting too political, uh the last 4 years before this one were real rough. Uh and I find that I've been I've been using uh I've been making a lot of excuses, I think. Um and I I'd found that it's it had rather than it'd been something that I had just become sort of dependent on. Uh, so rather than it being like a fun thing I would do, it would be something that like I felt I had to do and that seemed like a, a bad relationship with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then also uh, just my genetics have been my metabolism such that I'm, I'm an absolute just like iron shithouse when it comes to how much of anything from like 
Advil to booze to weed that I need to even affect me. Uh, uh-huh. So it was just incredibly expensive yeah. uh, as a habit. And our kids were getting older to yeah. the point where I was like, you know, I don't want them to have memories of me being fucked up. Like they were all young enough that it was like, you know, all right, if dad's super giggly right now, it's fine. But, you know, we're very patient. We're very patient. That's the only thing. The only <laughs> thing is like, boy, I was much more fun. Uh, yeah. And I was just drinking way too much. And once the pandemic hit, it was like, well, now I can just drink all day, every day. There's no, there's no rule or, you know, all the rules were kind of gone. Yeah. Yeah. My joke was, I don't smoke weed to get high. I smoke weed to not get mad at my kids. Uh, but it's also (laughs) like, there's gotta be a better way. Um, uh, and there isn't. It's just being sober, and it's not fun. <laughs> not yeah. bad. I don't love it. It seems like that was kind of the wedge for a lot of people, where they were like, "I'm either going to do what I was doing before, but way more as a coping strategy, or I need to stop doing this because I'm doing it way too much as a coping strategy, and it's not working." Yeah, or it's messing yeah. up other things. So we did both. Uh, yeah, because yeah. it. I was doing it way too much, and it was working. So uh, when when Biden got in office, we were like, "All right, let's." There, yeah. There's like one less excuse to be stressed out. I was let's... like, if, "If this guy can make it through the next four years without drinking, and he's got a harder job than we do, uh, <laughs> then we can." Does he not drink? Is Joe Biden? No, Joe sober? Biden's a teetotaler. I don't think he's ever drank. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that either. What a well, fuck! Yeah, everything's just what been uh, stressful since he got in. So. Yeah, let's Wait. go, Brandon. <laughs> Sorry, what's up, Mike? <laughs> Oh, I was saying everything's been stress-free since Biden got in, so it must <laughs> right? be easier. It's been real cool. Yeah. So anyway. It was all one guy's fault. Ari, I'm sorry. I got a sidetracked. Where, That's okay. Where were you at? Um, so anyway. So you were saying you have no sense of humor in the evening and, yeah. and uh, yes. you're, you're burned out at the end of the day. And what we started doing with our kids, it, so all three kids share one room, and uh, but they have different bedtimes, which for the most part uh, has been good. Because they... Uh, yeah, because otherwise it would go up there, all three of them, and just, it was the super collider. It was and, awful. Right. And like 80% yeah. of the time, they would just fight. Yeah. 20% it, of the time, yeah. they'd get on great and play, but under no circumstance would they get ready for bed. No. Um, yeah. So then it's not it's not like bedtime is whenever it is. It's like, oh, that's just when you go upstairs and I don't get to relax yet. So... Them all having different... And I, and I come up every five minutes or so and just say, hey, get your pajamas on until until I'm hoarse. And then yeah. they go, oh, we are. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, the five-year-old and the 11-year-old just relentlessly troll each other and push each other's buttons. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, it, they've both perfected the art of doing essentially nothing to piss the other one off because they've both mastered plausible deniability. So, uh, you know, Rex will just look at Odie weird and Odie will start screaming and Odie will stomp his foot and Rex will think it's a, it's a whole fucking thing. Yeah, you know. Um, What's your third son's name? Fido? Ajax. Uh, Ajax. Ajax. Ajax, okay. I'm real kid. Did you just say Fido? Yeah, just because Rex and Odie are kind of classical. Like, oh my God, you're right. Oh, you're right. I never thought of that. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Think of oh yeah no. It's... But Ajax sets it that offsets it and gets it into yeah. like cleaning product territory. Well, 
Odie is Odysseus, uh, right? Odysseus from the Odyssey. Odysseus is the Greek pronunciation. Oh. Um, but as it turns out, it's a lot to say. So we <laughs> often just say Odie. Sure. But, and Odie's, a, Odie's an awesome name. Let yeah. me quickly say my sister has three boys that are all about two years apart. And uh, for years, every time I talked to her on the phone, it sounded like she was being murdered. So my heart goes out to you for, uh, I just know that boys are just like, like Thank multiple boys is its own is its own thing. Thank you for saying that. It is true. It's a lot. They're like their own like you just said, they're their own yes. kind of special ring of insanity. And uh, gender is a construct, but what a construct. <laughs> Having three boys is it is something. So anyway, here's the part I want to focus on. So the um the which is uh reading reading books to my five-year-old. Um, so it is, he has somehow worked it out that he gets two books uh, a night. It's, it used to be one, and then at some point he, like, switched the forms, and it's well, two. it used to be dances, and now we somehow got out of that. They used to do dancing instead of Aww. books. Yeah, which all of you which is great, but honestly, just a lot of time. Gonna, you're going to get to a point where you're going to be like, I would kill to get to read him a book again. I would right, love it if yeah. you would just... Well, that's part of the thing, right? So he's the only one that I read to, and in, and I in, miss reading to the others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, hear you. And you know, and part of it is that all the kids have been pretty precocious readers, so they've learned to read on their own. And Odie, honestly, for five, I mean, he's reading above grade level. He he can read the books himself. Yeah. Um, he just he likes it when yeah. we read to them. Well, he and, likes it as like social one-on-one time with us is what. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I do really enjoy that. It, in especially when he's at school all day, it's it's nice to have that kind of quality time. Yes. And one of the nice things about the staggered bedtimes is that the older two will generally be downstairs. Um and so in at least in theory, it's a little alone time, a little one-on-one time, which is great. Um and uh but the thing is with Odie, okay, so this is the thing. So there are certain books, of, and this is normal for kids, that he wants to read over and over and over, right? So you know, one of the things with, and again, it's probably normal for, for kids, but with Odie is sometimes when you do something funny that delights him, uh, he will then want to do that for hours on end, right? Yeah. So we were at a doctor's appointment That's today. All kids. And we were at a doctor's appointment today, and he, the doctor had like left, and we were just like hanging out doing nothing for like 15 minutes. And he was crumpling, you know that like um, that like white paper that you sit on uh, in a doctor's uh-huh. office, right? So he was kind of crumpling it up. And at one point, I picked up I picked up one. I was like snowball fight, and I just hit him in the head with it. And <laughs> oh boy, I, that broke the seal. And he went. The doctor came back. All he wanted to do was snowball fight. He was tearing up every paper he get his hands on. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, a, a vestige of. Uh, reading the same book over and over. And I think this started a few years ago is so, is sometimes I would to keep myself entertained, change the book slightly, uh, you know, just and, to see if they're paying attention and do bits and do sure. bits. Right. Yeah. Um, and, but the kids caught on to this and they love it. And Odie calls it parodies, right? You've got to read parodies of these books. Uh-huh. Um, so I think and, I remember, I remember my son being like, can you just, can you just stop doing the voices and just read what it says? <gasps> that's what our that's what our older two do. But 
And you're like, no, 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 you don't get it. This is what I do. This is Our better. Our used to hate when I would do voices of the characters. And my younger one wants like location specific accents. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's an know. East Texas accent. He's from West Texas. Right? <laughs> Well, when the characters are Australian, my Australian accent is not oh, phenomenal. Mine uh, but the, it is it is in demand. Um, yeah, dear listener. So we're reading a lot of Bluey books, and he wants us to do all the Bluey characters, and he wants us to do, and they're all Australian, and they're all very similar but slightly different. What? Well, so that's, not great. That's the books. thing. So the thing about doing parodies is that it can become really exhausting, especially if it's a long book. Like, he likes these Octonauts books, which are pretty long. Uh-huh. And I remember, this is it's like 8.30 by now, right? So all the playfulness has been sucked out of me. So I'm not in a headspace <laughs> where I can create anything that is interesting to me, but I'll get a lot of notes, a lot of studio notes in the middle oh, if it's not what he wants. So many uh-huh. And so it's literally like... I'm like, and then he turned on the fart machine. Like, it is so just like... Obligatory. Obligatory <laughs> and phoned in, usually to do with farts. Um, and, and sometimes he'll have these ideas. We're like, no, don't do that. Do another thing. Do another thing. Do another thing. So it is just like... It's like the worst studio notes you've ever gotten that you've got to take. If you've, you know, you're a writer, right? You ever get like notes from some exec that it's just like, oh, for crying out loud, right? Um, sure. and, and it's a lot of that. And so I feel like my job, my career, my whole life has been be creative and entertaining and do something unexpected. But boy, having to do it on demand with the same book over and over, there's only so many ways that you can make Clifford the Big Red Dog funny. There's also like a lot of expectations. Like I am not good going into any kind of situation where it's like make it funny right you know if i if i can then i will but usually it's more just uh, it's a more natural endeavor a more organic endeavor and less like get ready here right. comes that's the funny so it, it's, it's so much pressure and also i don't share the same sense of humor with my children as i have fact yeah uh, <laughs> they don't like dark inappropriate things odie does odie does because really he's most does. like me yeah yeah um <laughs> he will um yeah so the, if i were to do it the right way right the way i would do it is uh read it mostly straight and then from uh, time to time, throw in a little surprising thing, right? But yeah. if you read one or two straight sentences, they'll be like, no, come on, make it funny. And like, look, man, you, you know. He's like, I just want to go downstairs. Like, yeah, man, he got a job at the circus. <laughs> I don't know, man, eating farts. Is that what you want? He got a job at the circus eating farts. Uh, okay, great. And we have to move on. Um, oh, look at Mike. He's like, if only I could read a book and tell a child. It sounds like you just committed to it so hard that you set this bar for yourself where your kid's like, yeah. I, want, I want to have that same feeling that I had when you really like committed to it and sold it and just went all over the place. And, and, 
And I feel bad because, th look, they're not wrong. That's kind of what we do, right? Like, look, there's a lot that's not great about having, like, improv comedian for parents. Like, we don't go on a lot of vacations. We don't have, like, a summer home. We're poor. <laughs> We're poor. Uh, but, I mean. We have poor boundaries. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, but <laughs> God damn it, the one thing we ought to be able to do. Be fun is and funny. Make the Octonauts funny. Um, yeah. but by that time in the day, I just don't have it. Like, you know, again, I was at a doctor's appointment with Odie today, man. I was like, I was on my game. We were having a good time. I was very funny cause it was the morning. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, day, you know, I, 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 I have, I've had the same thing with my kids when they were little, where I definitely had times where I was like, I'm just tired. Like I don't, I don't, I just have the energy of just like. I love you, but this is just like checking a box that I have to check so I can move on with my life and go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And I've regretted it every day since. So better sell that oh. fucking story. Oh no. Make that Octonauts or whatever it is. Put a shrimp on the what barbie. What was this? What was the story? <laughs> story I was going to tell today? It was something that happened yesterday, right? Was it, was uh, it Rex's Hanukkah losing streak? Yes. Okay. Let's talk about it. Oh wait, but so, so just, wait, so just so yeah. I understand, so so Ari, the, for you, the story is that feeling of like, I feel like I'm kind of letting my kid down, but yeah. I also I'm like I just don't have any anything yeah. left in the tank, and it, it's a wild feel. It, it is almost a physical feeling of being drained. It's like sure. you know if you're outside or exercising all day and you're just like literally exhausted, and it feels that way mentally. And it's like, yeah. look, I've got my well-documented shortcomings as a parent and a human being, but I'm generally pretty high energy and funny, and I can't always do that. And it does, yeah, I feel like I'm I'm letting them down uh, for their asking this one thing, which is like, hey, Dad, do a parody of this book, make it interesting, make it fun, right? and showing interest in my favorite thing, yeah, which is like making fun of something that's kind of Dullsville. Oh, I thought you were um, gonna say your children. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, making fun of things like this. <laughs> No, but it's it's funny to feel just sort of powerless and super square uh, to do like, you know, just the la again, that's the thing is the lazy. It ends up being the laziest thing. So I tried to triangulate. I was like, I can't be clever in my own terms. What is he going to find funny? And sometimes it's just what, you know, what passes for funny. Right. Sure. Like, again, it's like he's five. All right. So. All right. Maybe if Quasi the kitten lives in a toilet bowl. Uh, he'd find that funny, but I can't sell it any more than I just did with you just now. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. I do, when I do parodies with uh, with Odie, uh, I do a lot of like because I don't know how to speaking of triangulate. Like I don't know how to triangulate towards what kind of hits him comedically. So I just try to to do what I do, which. <laughs> Which is like observe things and point out things that I see that are interesting, and but he, the child of comedians, will be like, oh yes, that is interesting. That yeah. does look like a thing or whatever. Yeah, he doesn't like laugh at it. He's just like, oh, this is a true observation. Interesting. Yes. In right. the same way as like my, one of my favorite of Betsy. Betsy has like a. A number of specific different laughs for what she finds funny, but one of my favorites is her just going, "It's a good piece of business," uh, and Odie sort of has that uh, thing. But also, you know, in, in fairness, um, you know, he's got a lot of ideas of how it should be done, but at the, he's never at the end like, "Yeah, Dad, I got to be honest that you didn't, uh, you didn't hit it." You know, like I, I think he, 
it, maybe it's just the sort of feeling of being special of having something customized for you. Sure. I mean, you know, because um, it, it feels like a it feels like a failure to me. But he asked for this thing every single night, so he obviously enjoys it. Every single night? Just about. Oh wow, he doesn't ask me every single night. He probably because he probably, he probably knows because he he'll do it, and I'm like. <sighs> no, if I read it, sometimes what we'll, we'll, we'll do is we'll share parts. Like, like he'll be, I'll do all the animals and you do the stage directions. Oh, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I think there's also something to be said for just sometimes telling them like, hey, I'm really tired. I'm so sorry. But like, I just don't have all the energy to do this right now. Yeah, I feel like I could get a face tattoo that says Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> And that's like, that's oh, just generally true. Yeah, let's just make a recording of that and have it play all the time. I think yeah. sometimes people regret face tattoos, but I can see that one being, you can grow old with it. Yeah. Yeah. Evergreen. 2020 was a real doozy. And if you're anything like everyone else, you might be feeling like it's time to get some help and talk with someone. Better help is a customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. You don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. I don't know anyone who isn't struggling right now, and it doesn't hurt to reach out for help. You deserve to feel happy. So what is therapy exactly? Well, it's whatever you want it to be. You can get help with motivation, depression, anxiety. Maybe you're having anger issues, stress, dealing with insecurity in relationships or at work. Maybe difficulties with your romantic relationships or your kids. Whatever you need. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. I tried it out and I was amazed at how easy it was to find a therapist and I was really impressed by how quickly they reached out to me. So join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. See if it's for you because you are your greatest asset. You got to put your oxygen mask on first before you can help everyone else. So for Why Mommy Drinks listeners, BetterHelp is going to give you 10% off your first month if you go to betterhelp.com slash drinks. So again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash drinks. And let's slide into 2021 feeling strong, happy, and healthy. Uh, so yeah, so oh, yeah. Let, me, let me tell you about uh, Hanukkah, Hanukkah, um, so at our house, we celebrate Hanukkah and Christmas, um, although sadly, Hanukkah is more just sort of a secondary thing that it's a fun thing, but but we don't, you know, I don't know. Anyway. We don't really go all in and like celebrate the fuel efficiency the way, I think. Yeah. And then we don't do More presents, observant Jews would do. Yes. Uh, or anything like that. We just, you know, we 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 celebrate it. We we light the candles. We sing some songs. Sing some songs. We do some latkes uh, and occasionally some dreidel. I bet that's still really special for them, though. <laughs> I think it is. I think they really like it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, like I I was, uh, you know, my my mom's Jewish, so I but I was raised as sort of like a northeast secular Jew because also her family are. <laughs> you know, immigrants that came over in like 1920, like very like my family history on that side is just like, it's, if you've seen Fiddler on the Roof, that is like my family story. And they were like driven out here by the Cossacks and they got here and they're like, you're American now, everybody leave the old world behind. So we didn't like learn a Which ton about Which is very common, I think. Yeah. I think a lot of people, uh, a, a lot of Jewish people immigrated to the States and then they were just like, we have to... Uh, 
what is it like assimilate yeah yeah we have to assimilate don't don't draw any attention like so i think it was very common for a lot of jewish people like our grandparents age to have christmas trees yeah so we had these touch points we would have a menorah and all that stuff like that um but we were not uh i didn't go to hebrew school or temple or anything like that gotcha yeah so so raising our kids i want to make sure that they are aware of their heritage um so anyway <clears throat> so yeah you're right they do they really enjoy doing dreidel they really enjoy lighting the candles um and uh so we we were uh, Odie, Odie makes up hanukkah songs and we all sing them. <laughs> yeah Odie, Odie makes up hanukkah songs we all sing them uh last night we had to sing a, a weird improvised song about how it was the last night of hanukkah uh, it was great. And yeah. the 11-year-old went along with it, which was really nice because yes. usually he's like, I don't like you, whatever you're doing. So that was really nice. Uh, our 11-year-old is a drunk old woman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, met him, Carol Channing. Carol Channing is our son. I um, have to go to fifth grade. <laughs> I didn't want to do my homework. You guys call this recess? You're not the boss of me. <laughs> You're not the boss of me. Old school Rex quote used to say that all the time. Oh, man. Uh, it's like, point of order. We are straight up the boss of you. Yes, straight up. Yes. So we were doing um, we were doing dreidel. We all were, uh, instead of chocolate coins, because that gets real out of hand, and also they're different sizes. So I don't know how we're supposed to figure out what equals what, and it's too complicated. So we just use um, M&M's. Uh, for when we do And I I apologize for my ignorance on this, but so uh, chocolate coins is like, can you explain to me how that works with the dreidel and the, like, playing it? Well, first of all, I think I just, (laughs) I I mean, I don't think I do understand. Well, all right, so quick, quick primer on the dreidel for our Goyim listeners. Um, So the dreidel is... Goyisha. Yes. uh, The the dreidel, you know, it's it's a four-sided top that you spin, uh, and... um, uh, two out of the four results. W- one is you win. One is you win really big. One is nothing happens, and one is you lose a tiny bit. So there, really, it is weighted towards people winning most of the time. And like you, essentially, you the way we do it, you ante up. Everyone puts like a, an M M&M and M in, in the, the pot. You spin the thing. So, uh, sometimes you'll win. You know, uh, standard deviation in math would suggest that a quarter of the time you win everything. Quarter of the time you win something, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, Got so it. it's okay. it's you win everything, you win half, you win nothing, or you put one in. But multiple losing streaks ought to be rare. So yeah. so we played, I think, the first night or the second night, and then we also played on the last night. And I I and I played once without you. So we played three okay, times. Yeah. Great. And every time I played, I came out really well, uh, which was great. Which was great. Uh, although I didn't want to eat those M&Ms because our three children are like picking their nose and then touching these M&Ms. And uh, so I was like, you can have them. I will eat a cup of them later in in privacy. Um, so I was able Huddled to... Huddled in like a specific corner. measurement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not a handful. It's like a... <laughs> No, I, I pour them into a child's cup and then I eat them. That oh, is what I okay. have, been, have been doing. <laughs> not, not like I'm going to measure out eight ounces. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's less than that. Um, but anyway, so so I kept winning and everyone else was, I think, having just a fine time. You were winning big. Odie was winning big. 
me and Ajax were doing just fine. Yeah. And so that so that game, I think Rex was like, oh, I'm not really winning big. But he's like a real complainer. Our 11-year-old's a real complainer. He's always kind of the victim. Everything's happening to him. Everything is bad. And I get it. It's more fun to win than not to win. But also totally. at the end, I give out M&Ms to people anyway. Yeah. And I don't want my yeah. M&Ms because everyone's been touching them. So I give mine away too. So I don't know how, how it was when you played the second time. Same. That's okay. the thing. So then the third time we played, which was last night. Just a five-year-old raking it in like like a high roller at a casino. Yeah, and And Rex too. just on this like, insane, in fairness to him, insane losing streak. Yeah. But so also, Rex, who cares? Rex was on an insane losing streak. He, he just wasn't getting uh, a lot of M&Ms. And he, if anything, was either getting nothing or he was having to put one in. And, uh, but he never got, he never rolled Gimel, which is when you get everything. And he yeah. only r- rolled hay a couple times, which is when you get half. Uh, and he was real salty about it. And he started to kind of whimper. And so during, so he eventually started crying during oh. the play. And part of it, Part of what was hard was he was super, he was just this little gray rain cloud over, uh, sitting next to us. He was just like, I'm never going to get it. Right. This game, I keep winning. And oh, look at you and you keep winning. And then every time he would go to, to take a turn, he'd be like, watch this. I'm not going to get it. And he was just so like negative <laughs> and angry. and was like, we're just trying to have fun, dude. Like, and, and yeah. I'd be like, look, there's a one in four chance. It's not. He's like, I can't win. I can never win. It's like, it's not that you're not good enough out there. There's a one in four chance. He's like, no, watch this. I'm going to lose. And then he would lose. And so part of me feels like, well, yes, mathematically, whatever. But also... There is a part of me that felt like you are willing this to happen. You are will the you you are telling the universe that you keep winning, and so the universe keep is uh, keep losing, and the universe is accepting this and allowing you to continue this losing streak because you keep sort of manifesting it in a way. But I couldn't really explain that it's to called him. The secret, Rex, read it. <laughs> Why don't you fucking secret this dreidel game? Um, At one point, I was like, I guess you're just not Jewish enough. And he was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) That's the kind of joke that I love. Not that specifically, but like that's the kind of joke that I love to do and that I would do with my kids when they were little. And my wife would be like, you cannot do that. Like they don't understand (laughs) irony. Like that's really (laughs) fucked up. They don't... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I feel like I sometimes tell jokes that you're just like, what are you doing? And yeah, they'll be like dark or weird. And there will, like, there will be, like, every now and then we'll be like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be tricky with both of you guys because uh, like my wife, just her mind would never go someplace like that. But you, both of your guys' yeah. minds are going to go there. So it's almost like, how do we keep each other in check? Oh my God. Yeah. You're the balloon and she's your string, but we're both balloons. There's no string. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Which is nice. I mean, what I can tell you though, is that both my kids have pretty delightful dark senses of humor now. So it hasn't, okay. it hasn't, or if it has scarred them, they've, they've buried it down under a lot of uh, ironic detachment. Well, look, I mean, we're going to fuck them all up somehow. Uh, yes. I hope that my weird sense of humor is the, you know, if that can be the most of it, great. Well, also, I mean, look what the world's doing now. They're they're gonna. It's not on us that they're gonna end up in therapy necessarily, right? Like everything's fucking hard and weird. 
It'll probably be on us, but that's okay. Uh, that's okay. We're doing our best. I, yeah, I think it's. I think it's. It, there, there's a trap door any direction you walk, and you can't <laughs> avoid it. But I think the more that you can just kind of check in with them and just let them know that like you love them and you're there for them and you know what I mean? Like I, I have uh, uh, anxiety and panic attacks sometimes. And it wasn't until a few years ago where I was like, this must look insane to them. Like I'm not even realizing that I'm doing it. Like if I'm driving or something and I'm stressed out. And then I was like, Oh, I'm now imagining what this looks like on the outside. And uh, it's not good. Yeah, um, I have that too, where, where I feel yeah. like, oh, I'm really modeling a failure to cope elegantly with stress right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that with my depression. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a bummer because you go kind of your whole life acting how you act and you're like, this is how I'm <laughs> taking care of myself, whether it's whether it's working or not. Like, and then I, I don't um, remember my dad ever going, oh, come on, dude. And I feel like I say that all the time. <laughs> yeah yeah (laughs) yeah you're you're so right mike it's not like my kids are ever going to be like wow she's pretty punk punk rock or like she's really dealing with some depression like they're not not looking at it like that no but when they're 30 they're gonna go oh that's why they were that way yeah yeah but at this point no one's like wow they're they're really complex (laughs) like Wow, could they just get off the fucking couch and like <laughs> play this game with me? What's really a bummer is when you see that they've developed uh like they've accepted your weirdness and they're just like, Oh, this here's this weird thing that's gonna happen because we're at a parade or something and dad has a lot of anxiety around crowds. And I'm just like, Oh god, no, they're just I'm just a thing they have to deal with and they're like kind of shrugging it off. Oh, oh yeah, dad's that's wild. Yeah. I don't know how it is for you guys. I constantly forget that I have social anxiety. And so my wife will say like, hey, there's this public event going on that we could do as a family. And I'm always like, that sounds fun. And then I get there and I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, there's nothing I can put my back <laughs> against. Like, there's no exit place. Like, it's it's literally just maybe been in the last two years where she's like, um, like, this has happened a few weeks ago where she was like, Hey, I'm going to take Ethan to uh, uh, whatever called Knott's Berry Farm with a friend of his. Do you want to go? And then before she even finished acting, she was like, oh, actually, maybe that's not a good idea. Because I, I was about to start to be yes, but I was like, oh, yeah, no, maybe I shouldn't. And so I didn't go. <laughs> Who said it wasn't a good idea? It was kind of both of us. Like, she'll... It was she'll, your wife or your daughter? My, my wife, my wife. Okay. That's good. I mean, your wife knows. She knows. Yeah. yeah. And there's other times, you know, she, I mean, she's been amazing about it. Like there was, when, when my kids were kind of little, there was this time when we took them to Disneyland and I guess my son was still in a stroller and it had gotten dark and we were getting ready to leave. We're kind of heading towards the exits, but like, you have to go kind of a while before you get where you're going. And, um, I guess they do like a, I don't know if they do fireworks, fireworks or like a main street parade or something, but there yeah. started to be this like, congregation of people that wasn't flowing it was starting to stop and she she took the stroller and and like just put her hand on my shoulder and she was like just go and so like i just like snaked through the crowd and got away and then and just waited for them by the entrance and then she and which is also bullshit that she has to deal with that and she she'll say like "Ah, i don't mind but like i know that has not been easy for her like 
just Aww. all those little moments of me being like, I can't handle this. And so I've got to leave. And now you're here with uh, two kids. Well, but you know what else? Uh, despite her clearly being a good person that loves you, it's probably a net positive for her. It's probably easier for her to navigate that extra thing than to also have to worry and sort of shepherd you in that. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. It just, it would, it only makes it worse for her if, if I'm there. Right. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. I don't know. I think being part of a good parenting team is a lot of like, save yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Mike. 100%. Would you please tell us a story of a time that parenthood has broken you? Um, I will. Um, uh, oh, this is not my story, but this this just popped in my head because it just happened. But yeah. I just had parent-teacher conferences at my son's school on uh, Friday. And so I finished the conference. It goes really great. I meet both of his kind of core homeroom teachers. I my son's there. I get him in the car. He's like kind of upbeat, whatever we go home. And then like an hour later, I get an email from one of the teachers and she CC'd the principal and my wife and me. And she was like the substitute, uh, left a note that Ethan and another boy punched a computer and broke the screen. What? And, uh, and I was mortified. It was the worst possible time for me to find out because I was like, if you had told me right when I picked you up, I could have gone in and talked to him. It also was like a game of telephone because they didn't punch the computer. He tried to close a laptop and another boy put his hand in between the oh. laptop and the keyboard. And then it just like, Ethan just pressed it down and it uh, like All cracked right. the screen. Fuck that stuff that you do. That's, <laughs> that's not punch. Get, get the fuck out of here. That's not punch no. the computer. I know. And she, she or he did not talk to any of the boys either. So like there wasn't even any information gathering. So... I emailed the school and I didn't, I didn't try to oh, say yeah, like, this yeah, is yeah. not accurate, but I was like, this is very disappointing news. I talked to Ethan about it. Would it be possible for us to come and talk to you and the substitute in person next week? So I'm hoping to get it all sorted out, but it's just shit like that's mortifying. Um, that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's sort of like, uh, I don't know what it's as if when Indiana Jones, uh, goes under the, the, like the slowly closing yeah. door or whatever. And, yeah. uh, and like, oh yeah, he fucking, uh, Kool-Aid man through that, through that door. <laughs> like, no, he just slid under there. What are you talking about? Yeah, totally. No, I mean, he, the, the, I think the Ethan, like the music was too loud for him on the laptop. And so he was closing it and he should have just either like turned down the volume or said, I don't want to hear it or, so they, oh, they were kind of goofing around a little bit. Laptop? What's that? It was someone else's laptop the, that he was closing? It's the school's laptop. But who was like playing that music? I guess the kid that he was sitting with. Okay. And I'm also hearing all this from him and nobody ever is like, yeah, I really slammed it down hard. You know what I mean? He's not going to give right. me that version of it. He was like, so I, I kind of like put my hand on it and closed the lid. And right then Griffin put his fist in between the keyboard. And the, and I was, so I'm kind of imagining, I can just picture Ethan just like doing it way too hard, even after he saw the kid was doing it. And I, I, I've been in a million situations like that when I was a kid where I'm fucking around and something goes wrong and it's totally avoidable, but it's not like done with malice or anything. Yeah, Absolutely. You you do have to. There does probably have to be a lot of force involved to break a laptop screen, right? That's that's the thing is that is that they sent a picture of it and the screen does have like a hairline crack on it. I was like, okay, you clearly kept pushing down after it was obvious that this kid's hand was in there, which yeah, would not be a cool thing to do even if this even if the screen didn't get cracked. You can like you could hurt him. 
Because <laughs> those, those screens are made of like some weird fucking plasma. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't they test laptops to kind of bang them around and be like, okay, we got to make sure this can withstand anything. And then just by the force of Ethan with one hand pushing it down, he shattered the screen so anything but a but a 13 year old yeah like the uh they have like a a gorilla jump up and down on them like in those samsonite commercial from when we were kids Mm -hmm. it's a real deep cut do you remember this wait is that how old your son is did i fuck it up is he 13 12 uh you fucked it up betsy big time he's he's not 13 he's 12 and a half oh god um so uh uh do, can I tell the other story? Can that, that could just be yeah. the story. If you want. Wait, really well, quick. Is your son in sixth grade or is he's he in sixth seventh grade? grade. So he okay. is on the young side of his grade because his birthday Got is it. at the is August 30th. And so if he's if his birthday was like a week later, he'd be in sixth grade. Yeah, we have one of those, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So and I was I grew up being like a, a, my birthday's in June and I was a little bit older than like 80 percent of my class. By like yeah. eight months or something, whatever, you know, whatever it ends up being. Um, so he uh, was plays basketball and he was on a team and they were playing against another team. And I can't remember if it was like, uh, I feel like it wasn't just a regular game. It was some sort of like the finals or whatever when you're 10 or 11 or however old he was when this happened. And um, it was at that outdoor court in Silver Lake by the park, by the reservoir, the dog park. Mm-hmm. And oh, uh-huh. um, so there's uh, he, he he's he's a good basketball player, and so he's getting the ball a lot, and so he's shooting a lot, and he was also getting fouled a lot. So he shot a free throw and um, made it, and then there's like a teenage girl who's running the the uh, score thing, and uh, I, I think this was a hundred percent just her not paying attention. She made the score go down instead of up. Uh-huh. And also for whatever reason, if there's like, maybe like 25, you sure parents- he, didn't, he didn't shoot it underneath the basket. <laughs> yeah. He flubbered it and it went underneath the basket and came out the was top. the opposing team, the Harlem Globetrotters. Cause I know sometimes that will, <laughs> There were a few trampolines on the court that, in retrospect, okay. uh, in some wires. You know what? Might have been. He might have played for the general. <laughs> but uh, uh, so there's all these parents there. And for whatever reason, nobody seemed to notice this except for me. And um, I, I, I love performing, but I hate drawing attention to myself in public. And I was, Already we know good in the crowd. Right. Exactly. I'm not. Yeah, exactly. I don't I don't like I don't I don't. And also, I, I, I don't like those parents that are like, hey, like during sporting events that just oh, like yes. insert themselves into the game. But so I mustered up the strength and I was like, hey, you you did the score the wrong way. And the girl kind of looked around like deer in the headlights and she put the score up. But she put the score up to what it was before he made the yeah. basket. So she made it instead of a negative. She just made it as though nothing had happened. Ugh. So to the parents that are standing around me, including my wife, I jokingly was like, well, it's not like the game is going to come down to one point. So cut to the end of the game. And my son has been fouled again and is shooting a free throw uh, oh. and um, misses it. And that ends the game. They lose it by one point because he misses oh, that, that no. free throw. And if I had pushed harder in the moment, they would have won that game. 
And so you could almost like film a montage of like my son just weeping, like walking to the car in the back seat of the car, in his bedroom, in the shower. I can hear him talking to himself in the shower. Like I'm a fucking idiot. It's like Philip Seymour Hoffman and Boogie. I was just like, I'm a fucking idiot. I'm such a loser. So I was just like, I was, I was, I can't tell you how horrible I felt. And in the grand scheme of things, I know that it's not going to be something that's going to scar him forever. But like, I felt just gutted where I was like, this is 100% my fault. And I went and talked to, um, it's not, 100%, it's 100% that other, that girl's fault. Well, but yeah, she's, yes, but she's just like a teenager. It's not like yeah. she's, it's not like that's her job. She's just like probably somebody's daughter that got roped into it. That has never seen that machine before. Huh? But, but she so is an idiot. She it, yes. Yes, she's the worst. And I would it'd be great if I could find her now and destroy her this? You know, Mike, we happen to have her in studio oh, right now. Oh, if you'd like to say something to her. Hi, why am I here? <laughs> why did you guys kidnap me three weeks ago just for this one thing? You could have come over. Wait, how long ago was this, Mike, that this happened? This was everything is Guys, the pandemic has just changed everything with time. So I can't remember. I want to say it was um, maybe the year before the pandemic. So maybe 2019. Uh, yeah. I think. It was either 2019 or 2020, but I feel like, no, because 2020, he was getting ready to go into like the playoff stuff and then everything got shut down. So this this was the year before. And was this like an important game? I mean, it, 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 it not... Important to him. Important. Oh, you know what? I think it was last year. And because he ended up doing this other like um, team of like, here's kids that are going to do their own kind of playoff that are like good on like, we're getting like a dream team of like 10 year olds or whatever. Um, <laughs> that he did after that. Team. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So that, I mean, that was like, that, that made me feel better that it wasn't the, but, but that, that was the end of the season for his team. And, um, so it wasn't, and he wasn't, he wasn't crazy about, um, uh, he, he's one of those kids who, um, like if you play with him, he will referee you. So he'd be like, I bet you fouled me. And so like, I'll have to be like, Ethan, just like, just play. Like, just like, don't worry about kind of watching everything. Just like, but so he's kind of always evaluating his teammates to be like, they should have done this or done that or whatever. See, here's the thing. My uh, my oldest kid does that too, but can't back it up on the court. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, he just, he, he would just rather focus on what other people are doing wrong. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that Ethan is good, but he's not like LeBron James. Like he's not 100% always doing good. Like there's plenty of, there's plenty of room for growth. Yeah. Um, but yes, it is always funny when they like talk shit and then miss 10 baskets in a row or like <laughs> miss a layup. Like, how close were you to at, like later on or even near the end of the game or when it was over going up and being like, hey, actually, like how close were you to do? Wait, you I mean to the to the scorekeepers? Well, yeah, because you knew. You did do that. You were like, hey, well, no, I know that they put it back to, to sort of as if no, no, there no. was. I mean, no. at the end of the game after they lost, because Ethan just like crumpled. And I just had this like this like uh, uh, the instinct that probably should have kicked in originally. But I had this thing of like, oh, no, I can't do this. So I went I went like we're, we're, the parents are all standing outside of the court 
And so we're all like outside of this fence. So I walk around and I go in and the guy who's like in charge of the league for Silver Lake Rec is the guy who's sitting next to the teenager and uh, who's a really nice guy. And I talked to him before. And so I go and I tell him what happened. And before like three words are out of my mouth, I can tell from his face. He's like, ah, this guy's being sour grapes. Like he's just pissed off that his team lost. And he was saying something about how they like record every basket or something, which in retrospect, I wish I'd been like, okay, great. Show me the, you know, show me, show me the point that that got taken off. But, um, but you didn't want to be that guy. Yeah, because at that point it feels like it's, I'm not I'm not going to be helping him. So I I pushed a teeny bit, and then when it became clear that it was, it, it, at that point I'm just going to be an asshole parent. Do you know what I mean? It's not going to help him. It's not going to help any of the other kids. And right. also there was like there was some coach of like the star player on the other team who seemed like he was I don't know if he was like a professional athlete in his younger years, but he seemed like he was. He just looked looked like an athlete and was just talking. He came over and talked to Ethan, but he talked in the way that someone does if they're like, I don't mean like where they're blowing themselves up, but he seemed to legitimately be some sort of authority. And he was really praising Ethan. Aww. But while he's doing that, I can tell that Ethan's just like, I just want to get the fuck out of here. And because um, other parents are trying to like come over. And so it ended up being basically like, uh, did you guys see that documentary about Val Kilmer, Val? No, not yet. Oh, I just watched it the other night. It's really good. It's really amazing. But there's a part where right. he's at a Comic-Con type thing signing and then he's not feeling well. And so they have to get him out and they put like a blanket over his head to wheel him out just so people don't see that it's Val Kilmer. And that's literally what we did. Like, I think I put my jacket over Ethan's head just so we could get him to the car. Um, just so and it's not that anyone cares, but it's just so other parents aren't going to try to make him feel better. Yeah. Um, uh, and ask for his autograph. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> did, did he at any point... Uh, did, so it's not like he was blaming himself. I mean, were you were you able to or did you try to be like, no, no, you you did well. It was this... Did, did we blame the refs or was he sort of beyond that? He, I think... It, I'm trying to remember because I, I don't think I told him what happened. Because oh. I, I think because he was so upset that when he yeah. got out of it and was no longer upset, I was like, I don't want to. Um, yeah, I don't want to make this where it stirs it all up again. Yeah. And um, it's something that I probably could have revisited with him like a day or two later after he probably truly would have moved on. Um, but it just didn't occur to me i mean i'm wondering I'm, I'm wondering if i'm letting myself off the hook and i'm wondering if maybe i just didn't want to admit that like i didn't want him to blame me or get mad at me but Aww. i i i uh i don't think he would have maybe i'll tell him today um because i don't think i yeah. ever did tell him and uh I, I just know the reason i didn't tell him in, in the moment was because i was like okay he's like he's just getting like off the ventilator. I don't want to. I don't want to yeah. like cut off his oxygen again. You know, it sounds like a year has passed. It's probably You're right. fine to at this point be like, funny story. Uh, you actually won that game that you beat yourself up about. That's, that is true. And then he's going to be like, time. you talked about me on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I have no father. You don't. You don't want to be the dad in the stands going, "Hey, a dog can't play basketball." Just like let him play. <laughs> <laughs> They can't. Oh, um, that that is sad. I would have. Oh, that 
That's hard. Actually, it's, a lot of times you have to. You go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say I could. I feel like if I if I revisit it with him now, I think it might even be a positive thing where he would be like, "Oh, so I did one win," because yeah. he sometimes can be very black and white about winning. And because, like you were saying, when your son was losing the dreidel game, it was like he couldn't get out of that headspace of like, "This sucks. This isn't fun." And yeah. Ethan is like naturally good at a lot of things. And so when he doesn't win, he can kind of be a little bit of a stinker about it because it's like, yeah, sometimes you don't win. But so I think in this I, case, he'd be like, so I did win. I knew it. <laughs> I, I, do, I do think there is something to the lesson of teaching kids that sometimes you – that all you can do is your best and that that isn't even if you do it perfectly yeah. sometimes you lose like That's other true. shit happens right and like you did your best and he did his best it, and sometimes yeah. shit just happens when, yeah. when i was in college yeah. my freshman year of college we had like an intramural softball team and we were playing uh late at, you know like late in the evening um and i'm not uh, i love baseball i've never been much of a power hitter but we come up it's the ninth inning my team is down by uh two runs and uh, I hit a mammoth solo home run onto the top of the roof of the dorm, but we only had one ball, so that ended the game and we had to go home. <laughs> so I hit a game-losing home run. Wait and... a second. I just want to be clear. You say it was a solo home run, so there wasn't someone else yeah. coming and like putting their arms around you and hitting the ball with you at the same time? Yeah, no, no, no. It was just me. I did it myself. Well, so I mean, no, that's great. Okay. Right. I, I think of it. You, you got to picture, you know, uh, Jesus behind me in the batter's box helping guide my hands. That's how it I felt had, at the time. Just a moonshot. I bought that picture. My friend was doing a play in New York and, they, and he was staying in like a convent for some reason. And the, the actors were. And, um, and in the gift shop, I bought that was picture. Was oh, it? really? I bought no, that I, picture I, I, of Jesus standing behind the baseball player. And uh, when my mother-in-law came to visit, my wife was like, can you please put that away? She's not going to think that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) And the the nun tried to upsell me. They were like, uh, they were like, oh, the bigger one of this one is only like $5 more. Ha! Wait, can this we go Jesus back? makes the playoffs. Can we go back to how a bunch of actors were living temporarily at a convent? Yeah, I'm trying to think of what he, my, my they, friend would do the Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival. What's that? Oh. No, I just said something stupid. Go ahead. He interrupted oh, no, what, 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 what you were saying to do a bit. I, I said, were they on the run from the lawn in disguise? <laughs> uh, like nuns on the run? Like nuns on the run. Thank you. <laughs> I just, what did I just watch that that guy directed? Um, Because I saw that movie when I was like, 12 or something. I rented it from the grocery store and uh, he directed something else. that's like really fun. Oh, oh, I know what he, I just saw my cousin Vinny on TV, which I hadn't seen since it came out. And I was like, this movie really holds up. It's really funny. It's a really great script. And so I was looking up the director and I was like, Oh, he did. He's a British guy. And he did a few other uh, uh, solid comedies. Wait, remind me what Nuns on the Run was, because I was thinking you were referring to Sister Act, because Whoopi Goldberg, wasn't she also, like, a bad guy? Oh, no, she it's had a, seen a crime. She was yeah, Nuns on the Run is a similar type of, I, I want to say it's Eric Idle and Robbie Coltrane, and I think they're, yeah. maybe, they're maybe low-level criminals, but they, yeah. I think it's a similar thing where they witness a, a hit or something. So it's very similar to Sister Act, and then they go and then they are dressed as nuns and doing like these Monty Python is high pitched 
women's voices. Yes. And I want to tell you, when I said that, here's what went through my mind. I was like, it's Nuns on a Run. He's probably not going to catch a reference. He's going to say Sister Act. I'm going to say yes. I was over the moon thrilled that you knew the movie I was talking about. Yeah. I saw it, and I actually just looked it up literally like three days ago. Incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mike, thanks for doing this show. Uh, You are doing this. was so fun. Oh, it was such a pleasure to have you on. You are doing a great job. You're doing a really great job. I hope you know that. On this podcast? Just as, as a parent. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. On this podcast. But also as a parent. Beyond oh. beyond that. <laughs> Thank you so much. My, I, I have to give, uh, uh, I, I don't know if I'd give full credit, but a lot of credit to my wife and to my kids. Like, they're very easy to parent, and my wife is an amazing mom, and um, oh. and it's, uh, yeah, I love, I love being a dad. Oh, that's sounds lovely. like you guys are doing great too. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. You're doing a great job. Thanks. Betsy, you were doing a great job. <laughs> and good luck with, um, good luck with sobriety too. And I, I, uh, hope you, uh, change the name of the podcast cause it doesn't really fit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always going to be why we drink, but yeah, I mean, you're right. <laughs> why mommy wishes she was drinking. It doesn't quite roll off the tongue. No, uh, it doesn't pop as much. Uh, um, Mike, where can people check you out and where can they follow you? Uh, I'm on Twitter under just my name, at Mike Leffingwell. And if I if I may, you are very, very funny. On yeah, you should follow Mike on Twitter because he oh, has thanks, a, a tight Twitter game. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's nice of you to say. Ha, ha, ha. We brought it back. Nice. <laughs> Um, well, thanks, guys. This was really fun. Oh, great. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to promote? Uh, I wish there was. I did that teacher show with you guys a few weeks ago. It's the first time I'd improvised in like six months. And I was just like, what, what am I doing? I don't understand. <laughs> awesome. We'll come back. Yeah. Uh, Mike performs with us because uh, Mike was a regular in our teacher show uh, at UCB. And um, uh, we'll be performing with us again uh, shortly, I hope. That's right. Uh, if you go to IlluminatiImprov.com. Uh, you can see uh, all sorts of information about our classes and stuff. Uh, and we do shows every other week, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturdays on YouTube.com slash Illuminati Improv. And you can check out the show that Mike did and hopefully some future shows that Mike will do. Um, well, listen, dear listener, if you find yourself telling your child that you guess they're just not Jewish enough to win dreidel <laughs> or if help me out. Uh, if you if you find yourself uh, hastily improvising lame book parodies about farting dogs, or if you find yourself wishing that that teenage girl could have just done her damn job and given your kid that point. Just know that you are doing a great job. My mommy drinks. 
I'm Brian Husky. I'm bald. And I'm Charlie Sanders, and I'm also bald. And we host Bald Talk on the Campfire Media Network. Bald Talk is the podcast where two bald comedians talk to anyone bald about being bald. But this show isn't just for baldies, Brian. Harrows will love it, too. Bald Talk gets into vulnerability, vanity, insecurity, and self-acceptance, reminding us that we all have our respective bald spots. Not that bald spots are a bad thing. No way. I mean, my entire head is one big bald spot. It is one huge, beautiful bald spot, Charlie. Get Bald Talk on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I I have like a little bit of hair, but not like you. Like you're really bald. I'm truly bald. Great. I mean, it's I'm great. balder than it. you. You are balder than me. Only on Bald Talk. Campfire.